Thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to catch my radio program each Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Central. You can catch that program at contendingthenumberforthefaith.org. That is contendingthenumberforthefaith.org. The program is called Simplicity in Christ, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Central. This podcast comes from a letter. The man's letter reads, I was baptized as an infant in the Methodist Church by the sprinkling of water. I was confirmed of my own will at the age of 13. I am currently attending a church that says my baptism doesn't count because I was not immersed, even though I have been a practicing Christian for over 35 years. As a result, I am not permitted to vote on matters of the church. Recently, a young couple that are not married and have a child were baptized. Because they have been baptized by immersion, they are permitted to vote even though they are still living in sin. I was always of the opinion that if you were baptized as an infant or an adult and you have declared the Lord to be your Savior and Lord, that your soul was with the Father. Now I have been told otherwise, which means that my mother who was the most Christian woman I have ever met, is not with the Father in Heaven because she was not baptized by immersion either. She too was baptized by sprinkling of water. I would appreciate your input. Obviously, I am confused. Well, first of all, I cannot begin to tell you how sad this letter is and how confused this individual is because I understand That is, I have first-hand experience with denominationalism. This is why I understand. I was an eyewitness to the shackles of denominationalism. Now, there are many people who are finding it difficult and truly impossible to harmonize the various positions that are being advocated concerning baptism. Now, it's confusing indeed because man makes it that way. And it's not the Lord's will that people be divided and distressed. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Simply put, men are not content with the Bible. Bluntly put, they don't want anything to do with it. Now, they won't come right out and say that. However, such is the case. Now, before I reflect on some New Testament passages about baptism, let me ask you to consider this question. How can we arrive at the truth concerning this important teaching of the Bible? Well, Paul wrote that God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4. In like fashion, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. The truth is something that is critical with regards to our salvation, as these passages indicate. But how can we determine what is the truth regarding any religious matter. There is only one objective way to know the truth. The Lord Jesus affirmed that God's word is truth. John chapter 17 
Verse number 17. Since God's word is truth, genuine faith is derived from God's word. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. I might believe or practice something with sincerity, but sincerity does not determine the truth. Paul sincerely persecuted Christians in his early life. He thought he was doing what was right, but he was wrong. Acts chapter 23, verse number 1. In the pursuit of truth, it's helpful to apply the following question that Jesus asked on one occasion. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? Matthew chapter 21, verse number 25. Any religious question can be viewed in that light, for a belief or practice is either from heaven or from men. It's either given by God or it's a human innovation. Now, concerning baptism, how are we going to know the truth of the matter? The only way to determine the truth is by allowing the Bible to be our guide. Now, I realize that sometimes this can be difficult and it can also be a lengthy process. Like Saul of Tarsus, we can find ourselves reared in an environment surrounded by good and honest people. That fact alone makes it difficult to question what we have always assumed to be true. It's with courage, determination, and study to find the truth. That is, how to approach the Word of God in order to understand the truth objectively without the hindrances of presuppositions, emotions, or family traditions. Let me ask you to consider something. What if someone argued that no form of baptism is required, that as long as one accepted Jesus, he would be saved? This person could contend that his father was the most godly man he knew, and he was never baptized at all. It would be unacceptable for him, then, to believe that baptism in any form, for any reason, is necessary. But we could also consider another individual. This person believes in God, but does not believe in Jesus Christ. She is, however, a good person. She may argue that as long as one lives a moral life and believes in God, it doesn't really matter what a person believes about Jesus Christ. She may be a good person, but she finds it difficult to believe that Jesus came back to life and flew to heaven. Now that's a quote. Those aren't my words. That is a quote. This individual may say that her sister, now deceased, was the most loving and giving person she ever knew. Surely she is in heaven, if anyone is. She lived a noble life in contrast to many Christians. And I'll put the word Christians in quotes. This sincere lady finds it unacceptable to believe that her sister is not in heaven just because she did not believe in Jesus. What determines the truth? Is the truth different for each of us? Do we reason from our experiences? Is truth simply what we want it to be? Or do we learn the truth and conform our thinking to it? 
The latter is the position of Scripture. If the Bible is going to be our guide, then we must study it. We must study to show ourselves approved unto God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. In two places, the New Testament explicitly says that baptism is a burial. See Romans chapter 6, verse number 4, and Colossians chapter 2, verse number 12. Since baptism is a burial, and since it literally means immersion, the New Testament examples of baptism were performed by immersion. Acts chapter 8, verse number 38. Does the New Testament tell us the action involved in baptism? Well, indeed it does. The fullest description of an actual baptism in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 8. Philip preached Jesus to an Ethiopian as they rode in his chariot. Luke tells us, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, Behold, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. For he went on his way rejoicing. Acts chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. What did Philip do to this Ethiopian when Luke wrote, He baptized him? Did he pour some water on him? Did he sprinkle some water on him? Let Paul answer this question. The text reads, We are buried, therefore, with him through baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. The symbolism is unmistakable. Baptism is an immersion in water, but there are steps you must take before you reach the waters of baptism. You must first hear the gospel. That's Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. Write this down. You are then to repent of your sins. Repentance is a change of life. You are not going to continue in sin. You're going to put the sin away, and you're going to follow your New Testament as it leads and guides you based on what you're studying and you're reading. Next, you are going to confess your faith in Christ. Write it down. Romans chapter 10, verse number 10. It is a prerequisite to salvation, just like repentance. Now, when you complete these steps, you are a candidate for baptism that is immersed in water, fully immersed in water for the remission of your sins. That is, in order to receive forgiveness, you must be baptized. Acts chapter 2 verse number 38, Acts chapter 22, verse number 16. 
Friends, this is what's commonly referred to as God's plan of salvation. You will not find all of the instructions you need regarding salvation on one page. You have to connect the dots. You must study to show yourself approved. When you complete these steps, when you rise from the waters of baptism, you are a new creature in Christ. Then you follow the instructions in your New Testament on how to remain faithful the remainder of your life. Don't forget, you can catch my live broadcast each Monday through Friday at Contending for the Faith Radio. You can listen at contending4thefaith.org. That is contending4thefaith.org. Christian Talk Radio round the clock. My program is at 9 a.m. Central, Monday through Friday. I appreciate you listening.